You don't have to go to college. You don't have to have a microphone. You don't have to have been on the radio. You could just be Neil Galarte, former dreamer, and and now here with Harry Duran, right out of California. Mm-hmm. And and it can happen, man. And you just gotta be willing to fight for your stuff every day. Podcast Junkies, episode one three two. Welcome back, everyone in the Podosphere. I'm Harry Duran. I'm the host of the show weekly conversations with some of my favorite podcasters and i think over time they'll become your favorites too hopefully you're giving their shows a listen and finding new shows all the time because when you hear the energy and the enthusiasm that these guests bring to this show and the conversations that we have i mean you just can't help but want to jump on over and hear what their shows are about also I do realize we all have a limited amount of time to listen to shows, and I don't take that lightly, and I appreciate you actually listen to this show. So new listeners, regular listeners, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really, really appreciate it. So last week, we had a great conversation with Z Holly. Z is short for Christina. And we connected through uh, a course that I gave here in Los Angeles. Z actually had a hand in the creation of the first ever TEDx event, which is a fascinating story. She also talks about her interview with Dev Charney from American Apparel. That's just a couple of the things we talked about in our wide-ranging discussion, and I hope you get a chance to check that out. That was episode 131. This week, we speak to Neil Gilarte. Neil has had a love affair with movies for as long as he can remember, and the best part about it is that now he gets to make them for a living. And I I know I always say in these discussions that they're wide-ranging, but we cover a lot of ground here. We talk about uh, the Messenger documentary, how he got started with the film. We talk about our love of freestyle music, turntables, and vinyl records. Always, always, always a favorite topic of mine and about schlepping DJ equipment. Uh, We share share war stories about that. Uh, He talks about uh, the big year that he had and why it's important to attract the right people and detract the quote-unquote haters. He tells us where his positive outlook comes from and the importance of leveling up and mentoring with others. And then he talks a little bit about uh, how he's landing big guests for his podcasts and the importance of his family and exactly what that means for him and how they've been able to support him on this journey. So lots to cover and it's all great stuff. I'm always happy to have uh, folks sponsoring the show and my ongoing relationship with Podbean is no exception. So I want to talk about some of the different features. I know in the past I've talked about how they can actually host your show, which is really, you know, they're the bread and butter, and they do it uh, with individual plans and with enterprise plans. But they also have a, a patronage option. If you go to patron, P-A-T-R-O-N dot podbean dot com, you can see that you can set up recurring funding for your podcast. Most podcasters are familiar with support requests through Patreon, and this is along those lines, but it's Patron, patron, (laughs) the actual word patron, and you can actually raise funds directly from their podcast app. It's free to set up, um, and it's the easiest way to get financial support for your show. You can customize the pledge options, and uh, they have a page set up, and you can see what people are doing now at patron.podbean.com, so check that out when you get a chance. So make sure you stay till the end when I reveal this week's retention hashtag. It's my way of seeing who is paying attention and I appreciate all the people that tweet about it um, and listen to the end of the show. I really appreciate that. 
So let's jump into our conversation and hear all about this fantastic documentary and all the great things that Neil is doing with the podcast. Neil Gilarte, host of All Things Post. Thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. And uh, it's, it's, it was long overdue. It's probably my yeah, man, thanks for having me. I feel, I feel special. So we were talking about um, you feel like one of the cool kids when I realized I wasn't recording. So you're going to. I was cool just saying, man, you're like to get on podcast junkies. It's like you have to be in a nightclub in New York back in the 70s. Like you have to have special clothes on or be the hot chick. You know, like I was like, what What do I need to do to become cool enough for to get on this show? So I'm honored, man. Um, thanks for having me for real, though. It's really great to be here. No, I mean, it's just like <laughs> it's just conversations with friends. And I, and I know we've been uh, in contact I guess you would say virtually or or online or however these social circles start because I I see that in your past episodes you had an interview with our mutual friend Chris Cerrone who seems to be like the connector of connectors from back in the day. (laughs) Yeah, he's one of the very first podcasters that ever came on my show, and I know that we hung out recently in LA at CBS Radio. We just we've just never done the whole handshake. We're officially pals, so I'm glad that uh, well we did the spit shake and we're good now. So uh, it seems like you've been a little bit busy the past couple of months. Is that yeah. <laughs> is that yeah, a, bit of a, a bit of an understatement? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, on May 29th, we started this project with uh, Chris Kermitzos asked me to help with um, creating a movie for podcasters and about podcasting. And we, I don't think we knew how long it would take. So we just completed the film. It's been about 10 months. Um, and it was just a roller coaster to the point that we actually commissioned a podcast about the making of the podcast movie. So you can go and, uh, look up the messengers on iTunes. It's hosted by Dave Jackson and he actually records or Chris records our journey. And I mean, no holds barred, like it's bad (laughs) and, uh, everything is there. We didn't hide anything and you can actually hear the ups and downs of the entire film. Was it weird having knowing that that was going to be recorded and knowing that it was going to be out there and, and were you thinking about it or were you just in the moment and just going through never, the day to day? Cause, never because Chris at first didn't tell anybody. So he was recording all the time and we never knew it at first. And then once we kind of caught on that he's rolling at first for a second, you think about it and then you just forget we're, we were so busy and we were having so many serious ups and downs that there became a point that we just forgot about Chris and we just started, you know, we had arguments in the car and uh, you know, we had big, drag out fights we fired an editor like we had all kinds of problems and didn't realize that he was capturing every inch of it so um it's actually very raw i heard i hear i heard them and they're they're very well made but there were so many things that i was like my god i didn't know he was recording that day yeah so can you tell us the genesis story of when you first i know it was probably a bit earlier when it was in chris kermitzo's mind but when it when it it came across your plate that this was something that you were likely going to be involved in oh yeah we were literally sitting at podfest 2016 and i had a a sponsor table there and we're just sitting and it was one of the breaks when everybody sort of went to eat or whatever and he came up to me and he was super inspired by i guess some of the stories that some of the speakers had and he literally just sat next to me to get a breather and he looked at me he's like neil do you think we'd have a movie about this? And I mean, it was the most random question ever. And I just looked at him like, and I know, by the way, me and Chris are very, very close. So I already knew his plate was full of a million other things. So I was like, I didn't understand what he was asking me. But I said, yeah, you know, I mean, some of these people have some seriously amazing stories, like Glenn the Geek and stuff like that. And he's like, but what if we found a way to, you know, travel the country and and capture their stories and and create a historical journal so that 20 years from now when podcasting is officially quote unquote made it, we could be capturing people that were in in the beginnings. And so when I realized he was serious, I just looked at him and said, Hey man, if you're down, I'm down. And literally he took that as contract 
And that evening he wrote me an email and it was like, so when do you want to start? And literally, no joke, the next day we started talking about who to get, what stories were compelling. And in less than 30 days, we started rolling. Wow. Yeah, he was not joking around. So what's your, tell me a little bit about your background and, and how you got to be involved with film and how that journey started. Oh, sure. Well, that ha that started after after a long career stripping. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. I have an incredible physique if you haven't met me yet. But um, really, uh, you know, all my life, man, look, I'm going to give you a real short story. Cause, uh, my whole life I've been into movies. My dad was, uh, you know, movies and Chinese every Thursday guy. And when we lived in Los Angeles or near Los Angeles, I grew up in Southern California. So Cypress, California. My dad took me to see movies frequently. And uh, I think I got bit by the bug there. But it wasn't until I moved to Orlando um, that I started to pursue it. And so from very young age, uh, I won a uh, contest with my class my senior year of high school, the year that Universal Studios opened. And it allowed me to uh, to work on the show Superboy and Sequest as part of the prize. And so that just that was it. I was bit. And I spent the remaining next 20 something years, uh, you know, literally starting a production company from shooting weddings, climbing my way up to homicide video for the police department. And then finally, by 2013, I was the producer for the mayor of Orlando. And at the same time, always running my production company. I was a DJ. Uh, that's where Wild Style comes from. And I was also managing uh, some freestyle dance artists from New York, as well as DJ Magic Mike out of Orlando. So I was I was very in um, in the entertainment space. But in 2013, when my wife decided to move us to Tampa, she got a really great job opportunity. And I went full time with my media company, Wild Style Media Group. Excuse me. And then 11 days later, podcast movement came out. Or I heard about it. I launched my first podcast, All Things Post, which is all about the behind the scenes of post production. And it was literally launched. And 11 days later, I was standing in Dallas, Texas hmm. at a conference with a bunch of people I've never met with a medium I've never done. And that's when I met Chris Sarone. That's interesting. That's sort of the story. And then from there, everything grew. And, you know, this podcast did really well. It got sponsored very early on. And uh, now we're two years old. And, uh, and that has sort of allowed me to branch into podcast coaching, into coaching in other ways and speaking and all kinds of doors that have opened up. And then that's what kind of qualified me, I think, at the end to be the director of this film because I've been directing independent film for so long, thousands of video productions. I'm an editor. Um, and so I think being a podcaster and the director of a podcasting movie, it just kind of all came together in The Messengers as kind of what I was supposed to do for this year, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it, you get the sense that you were made for this moment, like all things are pointing to this happening. That's how it feels. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's how it feels. Because if you, like you said, if you had all the things that were lining up, your interest in podcasting, your your passion for film, your editing, uh, your connection, your being in the right place at the right time, being in Florida. Yeah. And I, I mean, when you think, when we think about things that are like, uh, you know, divinely inspired or just right place, right time, um, that seems like it was really, that's the way things were supposed to be laid out. Yeah, Chris caught the trend, right? Like he caught it early. He told us about it at the Florida Podcast Association meeting. That's the first time I ever heard about it. And then from there, we took, and you know, it's funny, the guy who did the audio for the movie, he was the guy that I used to produce hip hop albums for 12 years ago. He now works with, you know, KRS-One. Like all the connections that were for the film were drawn from all those long years of doing everything else. Yeah. And so in the end, it really, I really do feel like it was just perfect timing. Chris had the idea I had the mindset because I'm a podcaster now, right? And I knew our relationships with the people in the movie is how we picked who got in. 
So we started developing the stories because we had been working. Me and Glenn the Geek are extremely close. I also edit – my company edits all of his network shows. Mm. So all of those relationships is what led to us, uh, Lee Silverstein and all these people. And uh, like you said, yeah, it was really meant to be, and it's such an amazing movie. And I'm not saying that because I cut it. It just – just stand away and watch it, and it's just so inspirational and and, uh, and so much better now that it's actually done. Yeah, we we got to see the uh, the first cut of it at Podfest. In, yeah, uh, uh, I guess it's a month ago now. It seems like time flies, maybe even longer. But it was just like that. Everyone was. It was interesting to watch something where all your friends are on screen. That's usually not something that happens. I guess that's what movie stars feel like. They're like, "Oh, that's my my uh, my peer" or something like that. So, yeah. And then be... I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in the front row, getting a text from Harry, going, uh, "Where the hell am I?" <laughs> well, <laughs> Very I next day, you're yeah. edited in. <laughs> well, you know I, what's I, funny? Um, I made it at the at the last minute. What's funny about that day? Um, a lot of people don't know, but just two days prior, we lost my father-in-law. Uh, my wife's uh, dad. And so we were actually meant to screen the entire movie that day. That was the premiere. Um, but because he passed away, literally we were editing in the hotel room up to the moment and there just wasn't enough time, <clears throat> excuse me, to polish and two editors going 24 hours a day uh, for two days. And I just couldn't make it. So really what we ended up doing was screening 40 minutes of the film and the last two minutes were completely unpolished. But mm-hmm. what was amazing was that they forgave that and they gave us a standing ovation. And uh, I really felt it was more for uh, say my father-in-law than it was for me but um, and for the group. But uh, it was amazing. And I guess because they are podcasters, they understood, man. And so I just want to thank everybody that day, if you're a listener of the show, for just being so understanding of our loss that day. Because now that it's done, it is 20 times better. Yeah, I think it just uh, it speaks to the community. I know that a lot. You, there was a, a collection to help out the family as well. And, yes, yes, and yes. everyone was like giving as, as as much as they possibly could because I I think more so there. And, I, and I've been to a couple of podcasting conferences, but really that that level of connection, level of family of family was really really front and center. And you know I've talked yeah. about it a couple times already to regular listeners that we had that gratitude ceremony at the end of, on the last day, which is something that <laughs> yeah. you never see. And it's really, really awesome. And it's just yeah. a testament to the type of people and the quality of people that are, that are being brought together. Yeah, that's unique to PodFest. And I do want to uh, personally thank everyone who gave, um, they literally had it not been for that day, they would not have had enough to bury him properly. So heartfelt thank you from my wife, myself, their family to anyone who gave. Um, it's amazing, man. Look, Harry, we're lucky to be part of this world of podcasting in this exact moment i don't know if in this exact moment you and i would be doing these type of interviews uh if it hadn't been for the new community that's out now and that we're all like you said maybe we're, we're all sort of connected now and helping one another grow so it's amazing yeah i think a lot of this could not have been i couldn't have predicted this i mean i'm three years in uh to something that i just started on a whim and I'm 125 interviews in and just the connections that I'm making. And then every time I go there, I feel like it's a family reunion. And yep. every time I go to conferences, I've got to order more and more podcast junkie shirts. <laughs> Guess I'm ordering them for the chunky kids, though, buddy. Yeah. All right. No, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I did my homework and there's actually a size distribution that's normal for like every 50 shirts. I asked someone specifically and he's like, yes, you got to get like three double XLs and like two <laughs> XLs and like one small. And he was right, man, because I yeah. went the first time I did that distribution and it worked like a charm because I think I came home oh, with yeah. one shirt. 90% of people don't eat the donuts, but I'm the <laughs> dude that does. All right. So let's let's <laughs> remember the chunky people, buddy. <laughs> what is, would you say that this is the, the most Im- important, uh, 
film project you've ever worked on? Wow, absolutely, 100%. Um, I think it's the most important um, project that I've done, but I think it's important for podcasting right now. I think podcasting has got this resurged energy and uh, it's suddenly quote unquote cool again and people are catching on, but it's been around for so long. But I think what's happening right now, Harry, is um, the good ones are rising to the top. And now we're starting to have what I call different sort of I see it anyway, a sort of different levels of professional podcasters versus uh, amateur podcasters and then the middle road. And I think this film is just coming at just the right time to highlight the beginner, highlight the medium. And then you have the guys like Glenn the Geek and Johnny Dumas in the film that they're the top. And so I think that the film just at the right moment by just by the grace of God is coming at just the right time that everybody can feel included. Not, oh, this is a documentary about John Lee or just about people that are established. No, it goes down to people who just start a day or so before we interviewed them so there's a great range in the movie and uh and i think that's why it's so special that you end with a danny Pena in the movie but we open with someone that just started you know so it's really great i can't wait for the world to see it what's funny is that uh regular listeners of this show will understand will remember uh, an episode where i went i was going to the studio i was going to the cbs studios to uh-huh. to interview uh, Danny and the crew, because I'd interviewed Danny solo, and then he, I wanted to do an interview with, with the whole with the whole crew with, with, with um, Gamertag. Yeah, Gamertag. And then I I spoke. I had my uh, Zoom mic, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to CBS Studios. This is so cool." So when you get to place that at a moment in time where later that night you're interviewing me, and then that appears in the documentary, it's funny how like all the pieces like line up. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I literally just. In the words of Dave Jackson, School of Podcasting, if it wasn't for my podcast, like I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet people like Danny and then I wouldn't be there. He wouldn't have reached out to me because we had made a connection and say, hey, come here. And then I, I had no idea that you were coming and he, he told me you were coming too. Yeah. So it's just like the way things work out sometimes is, is if, even if you tried to plan it, they wouldn't, they wouldn't come out that way. But that's what's special about Danny. He's done it again and again during the making of the movie. He did the same thing in Miami where he invites someone to share in that grand opportunity that he's having. And funny thing about that night is I didn't know you were going to be there. So when you got there, I was like, yo, that's Harry from Podcast Junkies. I'm tired of running into this cat. And then we had a nice little talk. You told me about your new business and everything. And it was like beginning, like – you weren't on my radar in the sense of, oh, my God, now that I have him here, I got to get him in the movie. At the same time, I was like, wait a minute. He's an up and coming riser. That's why I made sure I shot it. And I was like, look, and here we are uh, almost a year later. Yeah. And now I'm a guest on your show. You know, it's just crazy, man. And uh, honestly, though, but we knew back then. And, and this is not just a compliment. I mean, I even remember coming home and telling Chris, this is a guy to watch. And, uh, you know, I got to see him interview other people. His style is unique. It's sort of laid back. He's a different vibe. And talking to people, letting him know I was going to be a guest on your show, that's what I heard from people. Same exact comment. Oh, I love his vibe. Oh, Harry's got the best vibe. So, hey, man, congratulations on all your success. I mean, and, and honestly, I, I take a, a a lot of pride in the fact that I'm here, not just because we're talking about the movie, but it's like a full circle, right? Like we've kind of like said hi once in a while. We waved. And then, like you said, <laughs> we we didn't connect. We went to a radio station together. And now we we're like brothers like no one can separate us ever by blood man yeah well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just well, joking. no it's funny because uh um, I, I think we had a uh, more of a shared interest as well because you mentioned freestyle and i grew up in new york city yes, so i literally grew up in freestyle so i'm curious which artist you were managing man i used to manage raquel in a dream my love and um but i was uh when i was in orlando i had a show called inside um outside and i used to interview uh tka and little Susie. those were all my biggest groups they were my michael jackson's for a while stevie b uh when i used to tour with dj magic mike we used to open for 
Rob Bass, you know, and Lizette Melendez and all these big groups from New York. And so that's my background. That's sort of when I used to DJ as DJ Wildstyle. That's what I love to play. And so um, it's funny, even right now to this day, all I ever listen to, if I'm not listening to something my wife demands, it's freestyle music. <laughs> yeah, I had a whole bunch of uh, mixes, DJ mixes. They were un- unfortunately they were on cassette, and they don't those don't hold up wow. too well, and they just disappear. And I made like yeah, I made like a I made reg- I still make mixes now, but I make more like techno and house. And um, yeah, yeah. those are those are on SoundCloud, right? And I, I don't you probably haven't seen it, but behind me, yes, yes respect the, the, the turntables, the Techniques twelve hundreds are still there. See? Dude, you just got like eight hundred <laughs> times cooler. <laughs> so yeah every once in a while i mean i'm still doing it uh, now I, i've connected tractor so i play some of the vinyl but yeah every, if my wife's awesome. out, out for the night I, i'll grab a, a bottle of wine and just start messing around so we're we just nerded out i just got a machine over here mk2 groove box you know so one day we'll have to get together and yeah, jam yeah, out yeah, man. Do a jam session or something like that we'll That'd make everybody cool. else feel really left out <laughs> well i had an interesting uh similar discussion way back um early, when i first got started with steve stewart He's a vinyl junkie as well, and he DJs, and he's done like he does weddings and stuff, and he's got a whole collection. So we go down some crazy rabbit holes here sometimes. Once I find like there's a little thread of connection, I'm like, okay, let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah, the podcast and thing, yeah, the, movie, the, the movie thing, whatever, man. Let's talk about like uh, yeah, TKA and artists that 90 percent of the listeners have never heard. never heard of. I know, man. Try managing an artist that every time I call the club, they're like, who? <laughs> Until I sang that song or they heard it, and then they go, I remember that from the skating rink. I right. do remember that song. I didn't know. I have a lot of that stuff on vinyl, dude. I'm talking Mick Mac. Like I got that. Yeah. I got. I still have them all. They're somewhere in the box. I don't know what. The I heck still talk to a lot of those artists, man. Really? And, you know, it's funny. Now they're in their 40s and early 45, 50, and now they're on Facebook more, and they're not as well known as they were back in the day. So now they're connecting with fans that way. And I used to interview them all, you know, or or we'd see each other on tour when I was um, managing other artists and stuff. So it's been a really great journey for me musically. It's funny. I'm actually been delving into it. I had a mix CD in 2008. I need to send you a copy. Just don't ever play it in public. And, um, and there's just a lot of cool things that I'm slowly actually getting back into. Even recently, I've been telling my wife, I want to get kind of back into it. I miss DJing. I miss the music production side of things. I did do the mix, a lot of the mixing in the film, but Ralph Lugo did all the cleanup. And a uh, big shout out to Ralph Lugo. He he made that movie sound amazing. But he also does all of our podcast editing for my company. And and uh, we're deep in audio now. Um, we're, we're actually thinking about doing a um, royalty-free music library. Oh, that wow. we're throwing around an idea of doing some modern like fusion of like hip hop and dubstep and EDM and all that good stuff. So we'll see uh, a lot of fun projects in the in the works. So did you have the uh, were you DJing with the the twelve hundreds at the time? I did when I first I broke my very first one so fast and then I ended up getting a um, oh my lord you just asked me the name and it just slipped my mind but I ended up getting the second best turntable on the planet. I ended up getting two of them at a pawn shop. Oh, New Mark. Newmark, but it was like the TTL yeah. floating. It was like the competitor of the 1200, literally. Yeah. Like, um, actually, some DJs, you know, love that one. They won't, they won't say it out loud. But I ended up getting those for a while, um, and then I ended up getting another 1200, maybe five years later. So I was on mis- mismatched uh, <laughs> turntables, and then I started getting into Serato and. Um, yeah. And controllers, and I hate to say it, as much as I love vinyl, uh, it was just too heavy for me to do all my events. I started using the, the Serato system. And uh, when I kind of stopped DJing um, in like 2015, back here somewhere is my Newmark controller. And I sort of just had to end it with that. But I miss my turntables, man. I miss all that stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Tractor now. Yeah, Tractor's, you know what, that's 
you can't joke around, man. Tractor's serious business. As much as people are like vinyl purists, and I love yeah. it. Look, I, I some of my DJ friends, they will not get off vinyl ever, and I get it. I totally get it. But really, for me, it became like I was a one-man band. I was carrying all my own speakers. I was carrying all my own gear. It was just oh, yeah. too much. Oh, yeah. It was too much. I was DJing on the beach, and you know, to have all your records out there, sand on top of them, going through those needles. Forget it, man. It was just easier to go MP3. <laughs> well, that's funny because I had I used to live in uh, Upper East Side of Manhattan on a fifth floor walk up. <laughs> Lord. So back in the day, for those that don't know, vinyl was it was hard to find a storage container for vinyl. So most DJs would have in milk crates, and so yeah. like I don't know where all these milk crates are now, or if it's even possible to get them. But I had like you know whole like five or six of my best of the records I would normally play. So I would have a flight case with like two Technics twelve hundreds, and so I have two of those. Those are heavy already, and then at least two or three crates of vinyl, and I'd have to like. Like like bring them up and down. So I'd I'd be ready. I was DJing at a bar in Manhattan. So I'd I'd have to bring all the stuff down, call a cab, load it to the cab, load it in, and then I'd be finished at you know New York clubs or bars. They end at like you know three a.m. So I'm like yeah. waiting for another. There's no Lyft. There's no Uber. <laughs> yeah, so I have to wait for and a I... cab, then take that back, and then and then I have to huff those back up five flights of stairs. I'd be sweating like crazy. Bro, and not only that, but you're putting yourself at risk with all the expensive gear out there late yeah. at night. I mean, my biggest day, and I, and I guess I'll kind of crest on the uh, I'll end the uh, the DJ uh, awesome moment of life here. My biggest day was, um, like I said, uh, Magic at the time, DJ Magic Mike. Um, he was very well known in the '90s. He was a very big DJ, and um, so once I got good enough that he he was kind of like a mentor, but he wasn't really like quote unquote my official mentor. He was like a on the side buddy just rooting for me. But I'll never forget uh, on one of my birthdays, he actually gave me the the giant case with the very first Pioneer CDJ system that he ever DJed with. Now it was maybe two or three years old at the time, five years old, but it was the first one he ever used where he mm -hmm. he's done on massive tours. And he gave me that as a gift. And it was like the day I realized that maybe I didn't suck. You know, I was this guy trust me enough to give me his flagship system from when he first started. And I was on that for many, many years. It was like that pioneer mixer weighed more than anything else. More than <laughs> I still have it in the garage, actually. You know, so, um, you know what's funny? You were talking about how you kept in contact with some of those people. So naturally as podcasters, and, and then I imagine what this happens with anything that anything that you're a hobby of. So if you're a film you know, if yeah. you're a film geek, you think in, in terms of film. If you're a podcaster, you think of in terms of your next podcast. Mm -hmm. But there, I wonder if there's a podcast where people talk to some of these old uh, freestyle artists. I don't know, but you and me should co-host <laughs> one. Just like I could call George Lamont <laughs> and we can get this going right now. <laughs> Do not we might have just me. birthed. Dude, I'm birthed so, the next podcast in New York. <laughs> I'm so down. Legends of freestyle, man. Yeah, you know, for a little while, I was doing something on online with Stevie B. It was going to be called the Freestyle Cafe, and we worked on that for a tiny little bit in time, and then he got busy, and we just let it die. But um, that that's that's probably very doable now because they're very – now they're very in touch with audiences versus the old days when they were kind of famous and not really doing that. But um, I know like today, you can get most of them on Facebook and chit-chat with them. Wow. Crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm really – well, we got to – Talk this through because <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk offline. Your people call my people. Let's do it tomorrow. <laughs> well, we could, we could, I could. I mean, I, I know the names, and you probably know the contacts. And then one, the thing is, like everything podcasting, like once you get the first ten oh, yeah. or fifteen, that's it. Like that's it. One Everyone manager else, manages them all. exactly. Uh, <laughs> 
they're all on the, they're all on the same reunion tour. <laughs> well, you know, I'm really a uh, big shout out to Tito Puente Jr. I, I'm good friends with Tito Puente Jr. And he, even though he's in his dad's uh, musical space, he was very he's very connected to the freestyle world. I mean, big time. They invite him to open at a lot of their events. And so, um, the day that we actually serious about getting to these people, I know if I reached out to him, he'd be not only want to be on the show, but he'd be grateful to connect to us because he's an amazing person. We got to get uh, La India. Yeah, La India. She and she bounced from salsa to freestyle, and yeah. it, you know, people don't know Mark Anthony started. Mark freestyle. Anthony too, riding before. the rhythm. Yes, uh, before he was salsa, <laughs> people. If you didn't know, <laughs> we might have to put a couple of um, references in, in the show notes for people because they're just completely lost. So freestyle, yeah, but see, your whole audience just went, "Where the hell are they going with all this right now?" <laughs> so freestyle, my dear listeners, is uh, the precursor. It's in. Be- it happened. It was in between disco, um, yep. and house, and it was a period of time when there was like a. a big influence within the latino and italian communities for this music from the street and it came around the same time that the b-boy music came out too like the break in music so it was like you know what people are seeing now with the get down that was the b-boy the break beat and then right in between like the because the break actually the b-boy break beat came after the disco and then the freestyle came like right after that i remember like uh, debbie deb when i hear music aeiou was like that's like the that's yeah. kind of like swing in between like you could break dance to it and you could dance to it and then um and then some of the freestyle eventually kind of merged a little bit with house and then house came out early early house music like steve still curly and so it was a, just a really fun time yeah. man and that's when i started djing man that's literally my first two records that i ever mixed together were <laughs> sapphires don't break my heart oh i love <laughs> sapphire bro you're, now you're making me nostalgic <laughs> Don't break my heart. <laughs> Tell them what you started. But so, you know what's funny is um those that era um you know I was in California in uh, Southern California when that started. I heard I heard Scars of Love by TKA my first time in 1986, and then we moved to Orlando in '88. And by '91, I was already dealing with some of them through my show, and it was like the smallest world ever. I couldn't believe I was talking to these artists because I. You know, I was on the other side of the country dancing to them, never knowing who they were at Knott's Berry Farm in a little studio dance club they had. Studio K, I think it's still open. And um, and so, but yeah, man, you know what's funny is now, like, um, over the years of, of listening to that Latin hip-hop music, a lot of people don't realize there was such a, some of the greatest producers, CNC Music Factory, some of the guys that did some of the best stuff came from freestyle. And then they just morphed into salsa, they morphed into hip-hop. Um, but there's a lot of them today. A lot of those artists have gone into some serious music. And uh, mm-hmm. definitely look them up. Look up George Lamont. You'll hear everything from freestyle salsa to merengue and back so is, is he still um, great producing? artist yeah man he's still doing his thing and, you know they're getting up in age a little bit but he can still sing his butt off and um and lizette and um and little Susie, they're all doing tours they're called the freestyle explosion they were just here in tampa i saw stevie b debbie deb wow. um expose expose oh noel cover girls cover girls were there so was fascination you know all these sweet sensation um <sighs> So, wow. dude, we got to talk offline. <laughs> yeah, we we got to make this happen. I, I mean, this is we were made for this podcast. Like, yeah, half ha- the show is going to be us going. Oh my god, I can't believe you're talking to me, Harry. Get it together, Harry. Harry, we're live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll be fun, man. Um, so you you mentioned something. That you said you used to do uh, video or for the homicide department. Yeah, a long time ago, man. What, you must have a story from there. Oh, I have about five hundred. Yeah, tell me, <laughs> but, um, tell me a good one. Golly, man. Chris Kermitzos is the one that picks all the good ones. Um, so, so look, so real quick, I worked for Homicide Video. So my job was to document either before, during, or after the crime scene to make sure that the in court, they would see that the police department handled everything properly and there was no 
you know, messing with the evidence or whatever. But there were many, many homicides that were we had to get right over the body or follow the path of travel of the bad guy or show the wounds. It was very tough. One quick one that I think is free to talk about, and I'll leave out a lot of detail because some of these are court cases. I yeah. have to be very but um I'll tell you, um, there was just one that was kind of like tough. And um, a, a young man wanted to go out and obviously buy drugs. So he went across the street to his dad's house. He uh, asked his dad for three or four dollars, however much dollars his dad would have. His dad tells him no. And in his frenzy, he goes back, gets a giant screwdriver, gets behind the dad in the recliner and just plunges into him. Wow. And, and I had to walk in on that. And then after he was done, he shot himself in the um, in the bathtub. OK, so. Basically, my scene that I had to cover was to go first to the dad and then follow the path of travel and try to help determine where he went. Did he go to the window around the door? And then we ended up finding where he was. And it was when I walked into the bathroom, it felt like it felt like no one could do their job. Like there was something still in there. Like it was so oh, raw. Yeah. I'm sure there must so, have been. Yeah, it was so violent that I literally couldn't record him. It took like three tries. And I called the crime scene technicians. They couldn't go in for a while. And, and not that I was going crazy. But um Literally, until the chaplain went in, no one was able to do their job. And so we had to hold the scene for like an hour and a half. And then finally, we were able to go in. And it was crazy how once we went in, it was completely peaceful. Mm. So it was uh, – I've never felt that before until that scene. And I had worked hundreds of scenes. So, you know, I saw it all. And um, you know what's funny, though? Uh, recording that way and being that careful and that anal and specific of how I record because it's going to go to court and I can't edit. So I had to sort of edit in the camera. I really credit that to making me a really uh, successful shooter. Like I, you know, learning how to shoot in low light, learning how to shoot with no second chances mm. because I only get, I can't rewind and I can't cut or they don't put it in court. So a lot of times when I'm recording, um, we were recently in Haiti for another documentary. You know, I didn't have but one second to record this guy running around with a shotgun or the UN guard. There was no second chance. And I always credit uh, my time with the Orlando Police Department for making me a decisive get it right the first time shooter. And I hope that in the messengers, some of that is it's, it's visible. Well, it's interesting because, uh, and we took a, we could, we probably couldn't have taken a more dramatic like right turn. After, <laughs> we went from one conversation to death. <laughs> but I was, I'm, I'm glad you you transitioned it into the lessons learned because you spend yeah. so much time on there, and um, you're obviously doing something now that fills you with more. Um, what do you, what's the word I'm looking for? Just joy, joy, yeah, joy, <laughs> and just satisfaction. Uh, a, a satisfaction because. <laughs> Some, you're just you're doing something that's really fulfilling to you and to your craft and to what you've studied. And I think everyone who's on this journey with the, with a with a craft, they have to do those like early types of jobs or those early types of uh, gigs where it's like, oh, do I is this really what I want to do? But I think yeah, I think uh, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you you still had the camera in your hand, so you still felt there was a part of you that was still on this mm -hmm. path and fulfilling like all that training you had had up until that point. And, you know, it's gray areas. Um, at the end of the day, look, I'm completely self-taught. I went to I had a full ride to college in Orlando. I had a full scholarship to UCF a year into it. I'm like, this is going to take too long. I went to L.A. and I, I, I went to try to be a filmmaker, went to Atlanta and I ended up learning my craft by doing my craft. And then now, 25 years later, you know, I'm still doing what I love and I never completed that formal education. I literally just learned doing it. I kept myself trained at all times. But I fully believe that when I do a film, I'm touching into everything I've ever done, whether it's DJing, whether it's doing uh, graffiti as a kid, whether it's doing, um, you know, 
photography, which is actually how I started before videography, music production, all those things, my timing, being able to beat match a beat is no different than going into a movie and doing cinematic timing of your music to the video. I believe that all of those talents came from those early attempts in entertainment. Um, even managing people helps me manage actors on set or people who are being interviewed, even managing artists got me the patience to deal with producers nowadays. So every, I really believe that everything that I did and the hardships that I had in my life really prepared me to be Neil Gallarte 2017, you know, director, producer, editor. And now the future, you know, like we're, I told you, we're starting a brand new documentary we just did on Haiti, even though now the messenger is going into distribution and all these amazing things are going to happen. Um, I'm starting a second documentary that I shot during the making of the messengers. And, uh, and like I said, the company's gotten into podcast editing we're doing a lot of audio for we actually about to do our first audio for a film in los angeles so we're we're, we're growing but i i credit every square inch to being a hip-hop kid listening to freestyle music in the garage with my lowrider car wishing and dreaming that i can go see these artists in concert and that's as far as my dream went and today i don't i don't have to dream like that i can say i wish i was on harry duran and here we are <laughs> you know yeah. so it's you can make your dreams come true you just got to be patient it feels like nowadays like the path to manifestation is happening faster i think mm -hmm. i mean because we're all putting ourselves in this um in this vortex of of like positive energy and surrounding ourselves with people who are making things yeah. happen so i yeah. think you know we're just we're around doers we're around people who are entrepreneurs. We're around people who, you know, have successful shows, are running successful companies. Yeah. And then that circle of friends just like gets bigger and bigger. And, you know, yeah. they say you are the, some of the five people you most associate yourself with. And you've, if you keep like reevaluating re re yeah. and like, where do I want to get better? And mm -hmm. who are, you know, who do I, who are my podcasting peeps? And who do I go to when I have questions about video? And who do I go to when I want to learn mm -hmm. how to be a be better speaker? And just like these, these pods of like, people that are mentoring us or that we're influenced by and and i think we just keep leveling up and leveling up and then as a as a group all of us they're just like we just keep getting better and better like the next time we run into each other yeah and the world's getting smaller the internet allows me and you to talk about freestyle right now and like tomorrow our friendship will be an inch stronger because of the internet right one thing you said uh, about being a doer uh, when i got to guatemala i i uh, was invited there by sean smith for the movie and, you know, it was a missionary trip. So on top of recording for the film, they had church service every night. There was and uh, and it was very, um, how do I say, very spiritual trip. But the first thing I told him when he thanked me for coming to Guatemala, I, I didn't even think of it. It just came out of my mouth and you reminded me of it just now. He said, Neil, thank you for coming to Guatemala. I said, Sean, doers do. And the whole trip. He kept reminding me, doers do, man. You guys are doers. You guys do whatever it takes to get the shot. You guys are doing whatever it takes to help these families. Because we didn't just shoot the movie. We started installing ovens. We started helping out. Um, we grabbed that drone and flew it from 7,000 feet elevation, and we got the stuff we needed. But I really believe that doers do and everybody else thinks about it, talks about it, dreams about it. And as long as you are doing something, even if it's you feel like it's an insignificant thing, like, oh, I just bought my first turntable. You just took a first step to becoming a DJ. But yeah. if you just there's a million guys that stop at, I wish I had a turntable. So the minute you go and invest in it, even if you don't touch it for six months, you still took a step that 300 other people didn't. So you are a doer. And so as long as you take one single tiny little step every time you can, you will achieve it. How fast is just how many steps you take in a day? Yeah. And that's reality. Yeah, it's those small steps because if you try to measure progress, 
you know, yeah. by, by saying, look what I do yesterday, what did I do last week? You know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really yeah. hard. But now if you look back and like, I mean, yourself, like, what did you do last year or where were you last <laughs> year? It's like, w- would you say that this has been one of the, the biggest, the past year has been one of the biggest ones for you? Yes, man. It's been the biggest and, and most challenging. It was the biggest in sense of projects, huge projects. And then I had lost two people, my father-in-law, and then most recently, uh, a good friend to a heart attack recently. And so focusing on the positive, obviously celebrating their lives. Um, is It's been the best year. My company grew. Um, we, you know, uh, I think my podcast has really grown, but uh, it's also been a challenge. But I do firmly believe that these added challenges is because I'm getting really close to where I want to be. And, and the, the, you know, for every positive force, there's somebody trying to slow you down. And so I use it as fuel. I use it as fuel to, so the answer is yes, it's been the best year and I, and I'm, I still have half a year to go, a little bit more than half a year. Um, I want to touch lives, Harry, man. I, I just want people to see the show, uh, I'm sorry, the film, be inspired to find their voice and get out there. Not just the podcast, but just um, become a content creator. With my show, my podcast, I just want to touch all these millions of editors stuck in cubicles that no one gives any credit to and just let them know someone hears them, man. Yeah. Um, all these producers uh, that do music that no one even appreciates. They only hear the beat and never even ask who made it. That's what my podcast is about. And then in person, man, just coaching people and uh, being part of the Florida Podcasters Association and, and PodFest as a, as a co-organizer with Chris, again, just want to touch lives of beginners and uh, intermediates and help to make their transition into podcasting easier, better, faster. And that's my 2017. That's what I being on your show, even same thing. I just want to get people to hear. You don't have to go to college. You don't have to have a microphone. You don't have to have been on the radio. You could just be Neil Galarte, former dreamer and and now here with harry duran right out of california mm-hmm. and and it can happen man and you just gotta be willing to fight for your stuff every day well it's interesting because you mentioned or you alluded to the fact that there are people who are for lack of a better term haters like they're they, they bring you down <laughs> yeah. and do, do you find yourself that you've acquired the skill set to identify those people sooner rather than later and then make sure that they're like not in your orbit or get, get them as far away from you as possible? Man, that's a great question. I'm going to be super transparent with you because I, I just had a recent Neil, you suck moment. So yes, I feel like I can identify them better. A little bit of that's the police in me, right? I learned how to identify people a long time ago, but, um, I haven't done the best job of not letting them hurt me because even recently I had, uh, some, stuff happened, let's say friendships and or people that I identified, but I ignored out of a good heart and then ended up getting stung. So I'm getting better at seeing people. I'm getting better at identifying it, but I'm still working on how to navigate it all right. Because I do, I am a little bit too trustworthy. I trust people a lot and I am a little bit too second chance giver. And Mm -hmm. so, um, but that's just the positive. That's my mom and me. So I really hope that I'm attracting the right people so I don't have to identify the haters because what I'm trying to do is attract more people that I can identify them as helpers and or a friend like you were saying earlier or a or a collaborator. That's who I'm trying to attract. And I'm hoping that by trying so hard to attract a collaborator, I detract a hater. But they're going to be there. Yeah, the beauty of it is you actually don't have to try hard to attract the people that you want in your life because I think it's I, I mean this is just energy that you give off and, right. and that you're when you're good positive you're putting out positive vibes you're doing positive things you know I, I, there's this aura about you and then people are attracted to that and people want to want to be around people like that and a lot of times like people who are negative like they can't stay they actually can't be around positive people for too long it, it just 
it, they don't like it. Like that's not how they roll. They want to be like, they want to be gossipy. They want to be like backbiting. They want to be like two-faced. And if they're in an environment where everyone's like loving each other and just like hugging it out and just be like, oh, yeah. positivity, positivity, positivity. Like I heard my wife said, said something like a coworker or something said like, oh, positive people. Like I'm, they, they, I'm suspicious of positive people. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> right. you feel like they live in Disneyland sometimes. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I can't. A lot of people misunderstand my passion in life for some things as often as negative vibe. And I'm really a very positive person. And I, I am just a person that because of the struggle that I've been through to get up here, I, I sometimes like red light early and I go, whoa, and I have to really like, like you were saying earlier, navigate it and remain in a positive space. So I have to navigate my positivity right now in the life I'm in. And it's only because of the grind to get here. It's not because I, I see people and assume that they're not good. It's not because I assume the worst. It's simply that there are people in life that have been blessed. Okay. There's a kid that got those techniques for free. There's a kid that got all those, you know, whatever, didn't have the hairy grind. And so um, I'm trying super hard. I'm a Christian and I, I'm trying very hard to navigate in a very positive space. Um, but I think people misinterpret when I get angry or passionate as a negative because I'm very passionate. I mean, very passionate. And I sometimes forget to go into positive text so that everybody loves what I'm saying. But really what they don't realize is I am being positive. I'm just being passionately positive. And um, I don't know how if that works as an explanation, but there are people that I've learned to understand that now I've, I've met that I see that in and I go, you know, you're not being negative. You're just being real passionate. And, I, and then now it's just a matter of learning how to m manage your passion and then choosing the right words so you're still staying in a positive zone because sometimes passion can make you sound negative or say things but really it's not if you look at the the uh heart of what people are saying they're just man they're just hungry or they're just tired yeah. and they they just misuse the wrong words and and that's something that me personally my goal is to find better ways to think and then say what I want. Cause sometimes I say it and then I, I go I, I go right away like that's not it's not what I meant, but I, in the moment I said that wrong. And so that's sort of my take on positive negative. I try real hard every day to start in a positive space. Um if you had to think about where that came from or who you learned that from what initially comes to mind man my parents they are positive polar difference i mean it's uh you know my dad is you know very stern very militant very decisive there there are no choices it is this or that my mom is very soft hearted um i always look at the silver lining of too much silver lining of everybody and then so trying to balance them in life and be a kid of six kids in the middle of all that with half of us being the grump side and half of us being the positive Disney side, uh, it's been a struggle to find where's Neil in the middle of all this, right? Um, I've been a pleaser most of my life. As a producer, I want to please the artist. I want to please the crowd as a DJ. I want to please the audience as a filmmaker. I want to please my wife. I'm always trying to please people. Yeah. Um, and I'm in a space right now after The Messengers is finally done and birthed where right now, this next 30 days, this could change, Harry. I just want to please Neil. You know, I feel like I haven't pleased Neil. I've just pleased everyone else. And so I've been focusing on my podcast and my, I have a brand new vlog out that's stupid goofy. And I've been focusing on just having a good time getting back to music. I just bought this brand new, you know, Behringer X-Touch. And I'm and I'm just trying to talk freestyle with my buddy. And I'm trying to please me because that's going to please a lot of people. Yeah.
Yeah, well. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm in a little bit of a selfish space, dude. <laughs> well, I think um, it's, it's all semantics. It's all the words that we choose. But you have absolutely. It's like they say you have to put on your own oxygen mask first before oh, yeah. you can put your oxygen mask on on the child. Great analogy. Then, because you're just like, if what what good are you if you're totally burned out? If you're totally jaded? If you're totally like in a space where you feel like, you know everyone's just been taken from you and everything's been sucked out of you and and you haven't had a chance to recharge i mean you're, you're going to be useless you're not going to be doing your best with your with your films you're not going to be doing your best with your podcast huh. or even in your family so i i, I don't I, I think it's a mandatory like uh, this reboot this reset yeah a 10 day ret silent retreat or, or just whatever you whatever fits your boat or, or is your definition of recharging like I, it, yeah. it has to be and you have to include it as a regular part of your everyday existence Oh yeah, and you literally just define my year. And the top of that, it's um, it's and I am in that reset. But I want to say something for your listeners that might be Neil. Okay, so you're a person that eh, you feel like you've done great things in life, and so you're feeling right now overwhelmed, tired, and 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 uh, like everyone's benefiting a lot from what you put out in the world. And in your family, you feel like maybe they're not. Like that's where I'm at right now. I'm trying to give my family more time, myself more time. I feel like they've been neglected for a long time. But it doesn't mean that that person doesn't still love everything they're doing, that they're not still excited about all the projects. Um, I'll be honest with you, man. I just think that people have to learn to be honest about when they're feeling a little bit not so plus sign. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that makes them a minus sign. But it's just like identifying when you have any problem in life. Once you identify it, then you tackle it. And that's sort of the space that I'm in, right? I just could have been for a little while. I hit a bah humbug state and I identified that I was being that. And now I'm excited. The movie's out. It's going to start doing its thing. And, and um, new projects are coming in, new opportunities, focusing on my business is generating me positive growth. And my daughter, who's three years old now says, daddy, I miss you. I love you. So I got out of that. But I first had to identify that I was being that guy and that it was okay to be bah humbug and a little bit negative for a week doesn't mean that I'm going to be that way forever. And so now that I'm coming out of it, I guess I can sort of feel for people that are always being told, oh, man, dude, you're always in a negative space. But it's not that. Sometimes you got to look at, did you put them in that space? Are they a plus sign that you move to the negative box? Hmm. And so just be aware of that, man. I just think be aware that it's okay to identify when a season in your life is over. And as long as you turn into the positive zone again to go to the new state so you don't enter the new state in a negative state. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm trying to enter a new positive state, and uh, and and it feels great now, man. I feel like a lot is off my plate now, and I can breathe. It's almost like uh, like a video game analogy, like leveling up. Because once yes. once you're at the new plateau, then you operate from there going forward, and like yeah. now you've got, but you've got all this like skill set of things that you've learned, and you can take on bigger projects. You can go after like you know. Uh, bigger things and and and, and 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 maybe do multiple things whereas before like it was just enough to get like one soundtrack yeah. for one movie you're like i can barely get this done but now you feel like oh i can do like three of those at a time or i can delegate or i can it's like we build this like skill set and and mm -hmm. if we take the time to do it properly then we just get you know we just get we have the ability to do things better um and uh, so that leads me to a question. I'm, I'm wondering if you feel now you're at the point where you've you've been able to mentor people. Yeah, I have. I've I've, I've been blessed to have coached a couple of people in their podcast journey, and now I've gotten recently my first sort of uh, I shouldn't say more like a media consultant type 
a mentorship. But um, your analogy is so spot on because what's the first thing you do when you when you level up? Like now, let's say I'm coaching other people. I'm trying to uh, help other people in their journey. The first thing you do in Call of Duty when you go to the next level is you check your new weapons, your new guns, your new grenades, right? You look at all your like the level up buttons, your new skins for your guns. You don't just start running and shooting. The first thing I do is upgrade my weapons. What 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 did I gain in the in the level up process? You know, at the end of every game, they give you like experience points, a couple new weapons, some new grenades, and maybe a new skin for your gun. So I believe that I am personally standing right at that moment where it says, you know, new level, and I'm like checking my guns, checking my stuff for a new journey. And now I'm starting to do mentorship, coaching. Um, I'm reaching out through my podcast. I'm actually going to start doing some educational things, you know, editing 101 for podcasting. And I'm thinking about putting out some actual product and stuff. But that took getting here. Yeah. Uh, and quite exhausted to do that. And so I think I'm going to take a breather for a moment, listen to some freestyle, <laughs> and uh, and get my mind right before I um I move forward. But I'm in a wonderful space right now, man. And I actually think even being on this podcast, it's almost like first visit on a new podcast since leveling up. Mm. And 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 it's funny, just talking to you has actually made me identify that. And um and I love it because I felt it already. You just confirmed it for me in a funny way. So I'm super duper grateful for the level beneath me and everybody that helped me um, get here, Chris Kermitzos and all my buddies that believed in me, my wife and my best friends. But yeah, we're definitely in a new skin and a new place. And uh, I'm so excited for what's coming, man. I just, it's great. I just can't wait. So, so now taking that and flipping it a little bit, do you, can you think back to a relationship with uh, someone who you saw as a mentor and does any, has anyone come to mind? Wow. I have one great mentor, um, you know, current ones I have like Glenn the Geek and stuff, but I have one friend named Don Jackson, California. He's, um, he's a realtor, but I've been a childhood friend. I met him in Cyprus when we were like in seventh grade and we've always sort of mentored each other. And, um, for a while there I was pursuing a real estate, um, you know, career and he was like mentoring me through that. And he's the coach to one of the biggest, uh, real estate coaches in the world. Like he's one of the biggest coaches for that coach in mm -hmm. the world. Tom, Tom Ferry, the realtor in Los Angeles. So my friend is one of his top advisors and, um, he, he's a huge, I mean, he calls me out on everything. Neil, that sucked that that wasn't the best that you can do. I know you better. And he'll call me. I'll be in Los Angeles visiting and getting ready to leave on a flight at seven. He picks me up at five and take me to Starbucks to set me straight. So he's, I, I really do consider him a life mentor. Uh, right now, Glenn, the geek's a big mentor. Um, I've learned a lot from Chris Kermitzos in the sense of he's really helped me get business minded, uh, where I was literally just a creative. Now I'm a, a creative with a business mind, but I really credit Don Jacks to, um, setting me straight and, uh, and giving me like new levels to try to level up to, if you know what I, you know yeah. what I mean by that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, so we can make sure we send them a, a, a clip of this, uh, interview. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned you, where's my $50? <laughs> no, he's amazing, man. He, he called me the other day. Like he gives you those, I love you calls at seven in the morning for no reason. You oh, know? Nice. And then he also, he also gives you the, why haven't you done what you said you were going to do call oh, on good. Friday. So great important. friend, great friend. So as you think about your in, uh, idea of starting the podcast, and I know that, you know, you've, you've talked about it on the show, how it's been two years and, and then, you know, you missed some, some weeks and then, and then you're, you know, trying to redefine yeah. what, what you want the show to be about. Do you feel now that it's something that you, you definitely are passionate about continuing and, and you have like a, a, a direction in mind for you want, where you want it to go? 
Yeah, definitely. If you look at my trajectory in two years, you're like, wow, you don't have enough shows. And um, it was definitely my sadly, my podcast started off on fire and it never pod faded, but it became victim to my production schedule. So whenever I was working on a movie for five, six months or any big project, it would suffer because I'm all over the place traveling and wasn't ready or prepared for managing a podcast and its and its guests and all this while traveling and shooting projects um now i'm i really think i've got to hold on it i'm scheduling in advance i'm starting to um pre-schedule the shows i've never been able to do that i literally record and release you know um and now i have a different place i've built up a lot more relationships in the production world um my, if you look listen to my last shows it's been major editors like the editors of empire the editors of supergirl um and now the industry's caught on so now it's placed a new pressure on me to be consistent and so right now it's, uh, i'm on a bi-weekly schedule to kind of make it manageable because i just launched a new vlog and mm -hmm. so on the on the opposite weeks, the vlog gets released. Okay. Once I get those to where they're consistent, I think I'll take the show back to weekly again. So yeah. how are you getting connected to some of these heavy hitters or, or people that you've had on your wish list? Well, that's easy. I just tell them I know Harry Duran. <laughs> no, um, you know what? It took a year and a half before the industry took me serious at all. They, um, I was interviewing lots of local friends at first. Um, and God bless them for letting me do that. But um, what happened was um, I created a Facebook group. And the power of a Facebook group is it attracts pros and individuals alike. Yeah. So I ended up noticing I was having some kind of big fish in my group. And I just didn't know how to engage them because I didn't want to seem hungry or nervous or even a fanboy. But at one point, this guy named Sean Mullen, he used to be an animator in the 90s on the shows like Charmed. And he did all the great visual effects. He owns Rampant Design Tools, and he was. Um, I asked him to be a guest, and I said he'll never say yes, and he did. The minute he finished, he emailed me the next five people I need to talk to: Walter Biscardi, um, you know, all these names that are big in the in the industry. And then he emailed a gentleman named Kevin Burke, who is a PR or a publicist for a lot of the big people. And now he's calling me saying, "I can get you the CEO of this. I can get you the wow. CEO of that." And then the last straw was um, this amazing editor um, out in California. She's the biggest downloaded show of all of my shows. Um, and if you, I'm going to leave that up. You have to go to allthingspost.net to find out who she is. But she, um, she edited Supergirl. She edited Preacher. She's assistant editor on these major shows. Um, and then she basically uh, kept coming on and then kept interacting. And it attracted everyone that mattered. Wow. And so now we have a... Uh, it's like an honor that we have them all. And uh, my most recent show is the biggest show I've ever done. It's on virtual reality and the future of virtual reality with metal.com. They're at NAB right now. And that show exploded because virtual reality is big right now. So the show has, has got a new fire. And I'm definitely going to take it now to an educational, taking the show on the road and doing like live panels, recording it as a podcast, as well as a live experience. Um, and that allows for hopefully opportunities for my sponsors to also touch the listener in person. Um, so that's the future of that. And then that uh, bleeds into my newest vlog where I promote my podcast for the first time like crazy. Danny Pena's featured and I promoted him. And so we're really starting to leverage uh, everything. And then, of course, the movie just caps it off as being one of the only movies about podcasting that's not necessarily someone famous already like the comedians that are out now. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm hoping that those three things, they converge. Uh, into people seeing me as a force in the podcast industry, spanning the podcast to the vlog to the film, not just having a podcast. Well, it seems like you got all the bases covered there. <laughs> yeah, and somewhere in there, I need to 
go chill and just you know watch some TV. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because there's this uh, there's this idea of striking while the iron's hot. Yeah. Right, because you have to take advantage of these things because mm-hmm. they're they're not going to be around. You have the show. The show has allowed you to have these conversations. You've now have the, you're having the podcast and the, but you have the 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 documentary that you've done you've got the business and so you know you've you've put in all these you started these wheels in motion and now they're coming to fruition and it would be nice to say like okay maybe only one would one opportunity would rise then you could work on the next one but sometimes we can't pick you know and they all and sometimes they all come at once and you just got to be like okay this is i got to figure a way to deal with this because Mm -hmm. if i drop the ball on any of these i'm you know i may, may lose an opportunity so I yeah. think maybe some of the training you've gotten up until now or, or, or the stuff that you learned, like doing those, like the discipline, like everything, like those, those that discipline you had, I think has prepared you for this moment. Yeah. And to wrap it up with that, I mean, I, I've always been told my whole life, I like too many things, photography, music, hip hop, DJ, duh, you shouldn't do this. Just be one thing. And I, that's the advice I've ignored my entire life because that's the only reason I have what I have is because I didn't listen to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. There are people that only make McDonald's hamburgers and God bless them, but there's also restaurants that have five choices and that's me. So I um I try to be my best at each thing and I try not to launch things that I can't commit to and take care of. Um and I feel that now they're going to merge to a point where they are sort of one thing but just sort of different aspects of them, yeah. right? Like a podcast film is still related to a podcast. A vlog is nothing but a visual podcast. It's episodic and it's every week and so mm-hmm. once we get all these things sort of and it's also part of having a staff and a team. Like I've grown from 1 to 3 and mm-hmm. that has really helped out and I was a one-man band trying to do five things. Now I'm a, a team managing the five things. And my goal is to grow to maybe one or two more this year and so we can stop right there and sort of have hands, more experienced hands on each thing. And I can just sort of be in all of them and not try to manage and run all of them. Yeah. And I think that's when they're really going to come together because then I can sort of be the star of my show instead of the star, the janitor, the guy who pulls the curtains and the <laughs> producer. and You know the drill because you've I been do. to this. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as we wrap up, a couple other questions. Ho- hopefully you're having fun. Oh, I'm having a blast. This is awesome. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be editing a lot, though. <laughs> no, I, I, I think the, the whole thing goes out there, warts and all. That's uh, a great talk. It's probably the greatest talk I've had all week. <laughs> <laughs> What's the one most misunderstood thing about you? Mm, that's a good question. Wow. I think the most misunderstood thing about me is that people don't realize that how much of what I do is actually for others. And I think some people see it as you're doing this and you're doing that and you're doing this. And they don't realize that I'm a lot of what I do is to aid others, which is why I believe right now coaching is such a good fit. Mm-hmm. But um, that's definitely something that they see as maybe a little selfish. And I see as having to focus so I can help more down the road. Yeah, I'm not makes, sure if that's a good answer. No, that makes total, sense. makes total sense. Mm-hmm. What have you changed your mind about recently? <laughs> Dude, you're hitting me hard with some good questions, bro. Those would normally be easy questions, but because I'm in a big transition in my life right now, um, I've changed sort of uh, my friendship statuses. Um, like I told you before, I'm very quick to let people be in. Like maybe I need to check you on the whole freestyle thing, man. I might have put you through some security processes first, but I think I'm going to create some professional distance in a little bit. I need to isolate myself for a minute, just a little bit to level up and get a better you know layout of this new level because i think i've carried a lot of baggage and i feel so much lighter right now that before i pick up a lot more i want to make sure i'm good you know what i mean so i'm in this state right now where that's my biggest thing i'm rethinking is my strategy of who do i let in and how close do i let them in from now on that's important 
Mm-hmm. I, I wanna. I always like to show like the warts and all of 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 a podcast episode. And then when we got started, <laughs> your daughter was running inside the room, and and you were kind of peeking back there, and you're like, "Is this gonna be an edit moment right here?" Because <laughs> and we kept talking, and you kept looking back, and you kept looking at me. And I just like to like let, let people in on those like little things that we see because we're obviously we're 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 filming i mean we're uh, on, on video as, as long-time <laughs> listeners know but it's just interesting because real life um so i'm wondering if we just close out with one other question i'll throw in there like what's what what's the importance or can you describe the importance of family to you oh man pinnacle you know god family everything else and um that little girl uh you know she was born when i first moved here when i first launched everything and you would most people would say i'm going to launch a business i'm going to launch a podcast and you don't need to be distracted i launched all of that with a brand new baby on my lap mm-hmm. and she's actually been on my lap as i make a million calls and baby be quiet daddy has to take a call don't let him know you're here right and um she's my biggest success the reason i do everything and um but family man let me tell you harry it's if you're doing it and there's no one to share it with mm-hmm. And family does not need to be your birth family. Family could be my boy, Don, right? So what it means to me is everything. And some people would argue it should be about you. But it, to me, it's about sharing it with family because it inspires my younger brothers. It inspires my, my brother who's right now starting to work with me as an editor was inspired by the journey, bro. He saw the difficulties I was going through. And after many years of not jumping in, jumped in. So I, I, family means the world to me, man. And I would venture to say that if you don't share it with someone when you're done, who really saw that you got it done? So that's what it means to me, man. That's about as good of a ribbon as I could put on any episode. (laughs) Why? Thank you. (laughs) Well, brother, I I know that, um, you know, you were excited to come on and and you felt like it was like something that you were working towards, but I'm going to tell you that it's actually an honor to have you on. And I like, I, every time I finish a conversation, I feel like great, incredibly grateful and have tremendous gratitude for, for you, you know, taking the time to come on to tell your story and just to put your, your own spin on what this podcasting journey is about. And listen, let me end it with this then. So, um, I don't just see your show as a cool place to be. I mean, I joke with you about it, but I mean, when I first time ever met you, I could tell that you were on the rise. I take great pride in spotting people. That comes from the music industry, right? Sort of spotting future talent. My excitement to be on Harry Duran this late, this much later after you've launched for a while and I've watched you build your brand. I watch you online. I follow your Facebook, you know? So to me, it was more like, getting on the late show because my friend has earned it. So this guy that I've admired along the journey, I've seen him coming up and uh, I really just felt like, wow, how great that he's gotten to this place where he's a very respected podcast. A lot of great guests have been here before me. And now my movie has allowed me to reach a place where he and I can converge just to find out we both love hip hop freestyle DJ. So thank you for having it. But man, before that, just you did your thing and your thing led me and I did my thing and that allowed us to have this conversation today. So I hope I can come in the future and just share other future stuff or you can come on mine and we can talk about the behind the scenes of your world. But um, I'm just blessed and honored to be here. I, I, uh, I think you're an amazing podcaster doing amazing things and that uh, you've definitely earned where you are as a podcaster. And I want to make sure your audience knows it's not because he's my friend. It's just it's fact, man. Not every show has gotten where you are. So congratulations, brother. Well, that's uh, <laughs> I'm incredibly humbled by that. Neil, thank you so much. I don't take those words for granted. Um, and sometimes I lose sight of, you know, what's, what's been done. And this podcasting is a, is a, 
it's a long journey, right? There's and there's there's moments where I'm like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. Like I don't, yeah. I literally don't want to do this. Like it's just a pain in the ass. And between editing <laughs> and just recording, and, and then you're <laughs> done, and even just simple things like sh- the, an intro and an outro, it's just like if your mindset is not there, then you, I feel like I, I never want to feel like I'm dialing it in. No man. And uh, thankfully, like I, I get recharged. The conferences are great. Like I, I, like I'm with my peeps, and I just come back and I'm supercharged. And then we, I, you know, I, I get reminded of what that's like by by virtue of these conversations and oh, and yeah. it's just like you know I hopefully just don't run out of interesting people i don't think it's going to happen mm-hmm. there's so many great podcasters out there that are just really really good-hearted people and, and i'm looking for conversations with more of them yeah my last line for you is this my friend podcasting is a marathon that's what i tell all the people that i coach and uh, mentor podcasting is a marathon and you are officially a marathon runner so just continue doing your thing uh, i respect you in the game and thank you thank you for having me on and letting me use your platform to share my story so uh, we've got like 15 cherries on this episode. <laughs> What's the best place for folks to uh, track you down? Um, just easily. I'm on Twitter the most uh, at Neil Galarte, N-I-E-L. Yeah. And then my name, I'm sure will be in your links. Um, and then um, Facebook, I'm on Facebook. And then uh, my show is All Things Post at allthingspost.net. And my company is wildstylemedia.net. My brother, thank you again. And I hope you have a fantastic evening. Yeah, buddy. We'll talk offline about that freestyle shit. <laughs> So thanks again to Neil for bringing the energy, bringing the enthusiasm, and ensuring that we had a fun conversation. We talked a little bit, a little bit, a lot of bit afterwards. That's not a real phrase, I know. But we did keep talking after we we stopped the recording. We just, we had so much to talk about and even some ideas. We were we were cooking up for new podcasts. As you know, podcasters never run out of ideas uh, with which to podcast about so we are a member of podcastica.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-C-A.com. That's the song you hear, the, the jingle you hear at the beginning. Great collection of podcasts. Check them out, please. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Check them out at cedarsoil.com. Don't forget to support our sponsor, Podbean, at podbean.com slash junkies, And uh, take a look at their patron option uh, that I talked about at the beginning of the show. So if you listened to the interview to this point, then you're waiting for anxiously awaiting the retention hashtag. But before I give you that, don't forget to check out our PDF that we've created just for people who are looking to get help with their show or need a little boost in terms of understanding what are the tools that I've been using. Um, and I recently updated the list. It's called uh, Eight Tools to Skyrocket Your Podcast Launch. And you can find it at podcastjunkies.com slash eight tools. And it's eight with the number eight. So the number eight, T-O-O-L-S. So the retention hashtag is freestyle Neil. Uh, Neil is spelled N-I-E-L. So it's all one word, freestyle, F-R-E-E-S-T-Y-L-E-N-I-E-L. And his Twitter handle is Neil Gilarte, N-I-E-L-G-U-I-L-A-R-T-E. Tune in next week. I've got a big show. Alana Levine, host of Little Known Facts. We connected via Twitter. She is amazing. She just had an interview with Alan Alda. Interestingly enough, we went to the same high school. Since that came out, as I'm recording this, we don't talk about it in the show, so it's a little bonus piece of information. But Alana is so sweet, such an, a fun personality. We literally hit it off. Like From the moment we started connecting on Twitter, we obviously continued that 
energy and enthusiasm in our interview. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, and we've been maintaining our communication and our friendship online. So I got to make sure I, I visit her in New York next time I get out there. But she's going gangbusters. And she's uh, she was on Broadway. She's been on Broadway. She's got a, a lot of uh, friends that whose names you'll you'll definitely recognize. Uh, Cynthia Nixon was on her show. Laura Linney, Alan Alda. I mean, who's who of uh, film and Broadway. Octavia Spencer was recently on. So we talk about a lot of stuff and uh, I can't wait to share it with you guys next week. So don't forget to tune in for that. Thanks again for all you do to support the show and uh, recommend it to someone if you think they need uh, some awesomeness in their life. See ya.